Our scripture reading today is found in Luke 15, 1 through 3, and 11 through 32. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. 
He was lost and has been found. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us once more. Holy Spirit, come and be with us in this time of worship. Open our minds and soften our hardened hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts combined be pleasing to you, O Lord. You are our rock and redeemer. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, let's take care of just a few details that I think we need to know so we can get the most out of our lesson this morning from the 15th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Well, first of all, Luke repeatedly writes, he told them a parable. I counted 17 places in Luke where where Jesus says this or similar words to this. Jesus loved parables. That was his go-to teaching tool. And our lesson this morning is really part of a trilogy of parables having to do with something of value that has been lost but then has been found. The lectionary this year uh, skips those first two parables in this trilogy. That's why we jump from the Pharisees grumbling about Jesus welcoming sinners and, and eating with them to reading, there was a man who had two sons. But those two missing parables are the ones that set us up to receive this third parable. They're important for our understanding. That's why Jesus told them all together in that order. And so those two missing parables would be the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. Now notice they're not titled the found coin or the found sheep. No, at this point we're, we're looking at this whole subject of lost and found from a negative viewpoint. Since the lectionary skips those two this year, I'm not going to spend much time commenting on them, but I want to point out that they both have similar endings. Jesus tells us in both, there is joy over even one person who repents. If you want to read those two parables, I suggest that you just read the the whole 15th chapter. It's, It's not that long. So I mentioned that we skipped from the Pharisees and scribes grumbling right to the parable for this morning. That Luke began with the Pharisees is a clue in itself. It's an important clue. Why did Luke want us to know this very thing? It doesn't really have to do with losing a son, does it? These were were Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and scribes, yet they were grumbling about Jesus, someone they didn't really know, for reasons that seem to point to their own loss of one type or another. Perhaps loss of authority, loss of religious purity, or maybe loss of status and respect. 
Or just maybe this so-called loss was only imagined, not real. So this is the first thing that Luke wants us to know today, that the Pharisees and scribes were grumblers. The parable Jesus told us is known most often as the prodigal son or the lost son. Occasionally it might be called two sons, but in most cases, just as with the earlier two parables, it's often known in the negative. The first adjective that pops into our head is negative, the loss. Why do we focus on the loss? A human trait, obviously. But we're missing Jesus' point. It really isn't about loss. As you listen to Jesus' parable, which character held your attention? Which one most made you have compassion for them? Was it the younger son who, when he, when he came to his senses and began rehearsing his confession speech that, that he would deliver to his father? Or maybe it was the older son who you may have sided with because you felt he, that he was wronged by this whole affair. Or was the father the one for whom you yearned would receive back the undying love that he obviously had for both his sons. <clears throat> Did you shed a tear when you heard that the father, having, having spotted his son while he was still far off and then ran to him? The question that we all need to answer is this. When we listen to these parables, where are we? What is our posture? What is our position as we receive these nuggets of inspiration? Are we joining our voice with Jesus? Are we sitting there right beside him as he delivers this teaching? Or are we on the receiving end, taught something new by Jesus' words. Our perspective of these parables defines what we receive from them. We, we modern-day disciples often fall into the trap of negativity. And this is sometimes apparent right here in the church, either knowingly or more often, I think, unknowingly. We... we tend to think like the Pharisees, but that doesn't necessarily make us Pharisee-like. No. As I researched this message, I found that many of the Bible translations that I typically read, like the New Revised Standard Version, the, the New International Version, and some others, often identify this trilogy of parables with a negative, focusing on what was lost. But the Common English Bible, which is becoming more popular, names this group of parables occasions for celebration. 
thank goodness, finally, something positive. This parable of Jesus' teaching, no matter what you call it, is, is filled with so much meaning. We, we need to dig a bit to, to find what is, what is really near to our heart. It's what we need to hear. We can read or listen to this lightly and go away with one impression. It might be helpful, but if we listen carefully to the words that fill us with what Jesus knows we need most, then we're ahead. We need to listen for the love and the grace the compassion that Jesus offers Jews and Gentiles, sinners and saints, what Jesus offers to everyone. Now, have you ever eaten a mango? I mean a whole mango, not, not canned or processed, but the whole piece of fruit. You know, the flesh of a mango is, is deliciously sweet, juicy, full of flavor. But those things have a tough skin and a large pit in the center, and they're really a devil to, to deal with. There's a trick to eating a mango, and until you know just how to do it, you, you make a mess. And you just don't get to enjoy the, the full benefit that fruit has to offer. So we need to know how to get into the parables that Jesus tells us. The trick is following the positives and avoiding the negatives. We can receive the most when, when we shed our tendency to think like the Pharisees and the scribes. The point most often taken away from this parable is that the younger son saw his mistake and repented. Now, while that may be accurate, it's not the whole story. There's so much more to be considered. And so many people completely miss the, the older son. The older son's plight. He has a plight. The relationship the father had with both sons is also missed and and the implied relationship between the two sons rarely comes into our consciousness but the thing most often ignored in this parable is the party there's a party in all three of these parables in this trilogy in the first two, upon finding what was lost, both the shepherd and the woman say, Rejoice with me, for I have found whatever. And in this third parable, we hear the father say, We had to celebrate. We had to rejoice because this brother of yours was lost and has been found. There's reason for celebration. But the party was the very thing that upset the older brother the most. 
He was focusing only on the negatives in his life, not the positives. And so do you think that the party cancels the seriousness of, of sin and repentance? I don't think so. I don't think it does. I think it serves to highlight the result of acknowledging sin and the restoring power of God's grace. I don't know if you identify the father in this story as being representative of God. That, that might be a stretch. But it would open us to, to what Luke was getting at in the beginning of this chapter. The Pharisees and scribes were, were grumbling about Jesus who seemed to be drawn to those who the Jews had rejected as, as beyond redemption. But you know, God's love is, is not either or, not in the least. God's love is both and. God's love is, is equal to all. Jesus says there was a father who had two sons, but more importantly, there was a father who loved two sons. To accept and love one doesn't mean rejecting the other. Now, the elder son's complaints about his treatment compared to his brother's may seem unfounded to some hearers. While the same thing might be spot on for others, that's the nature of our personal interpretations. But it also serves to illustrate Jesus' point that we cannot ignore our relationships because we feel somehow slighted. Nor do we need a judge to compel our relatives to divide the inheritance with us. What we need is a loving relationship. The same thing God offers us. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We are sons and daughters of our God. But in this parable today, we learn one cannot be a son without also being a brother. Let us pray. Oh God, we know in our hearts that, that you love each one of us equally. Your love covers our sin and restores our rightful place in your sight. We know when we become lost, you wait patiently, watching intently for our return so that you may celebrate our being found. Amen.